thoughts and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. Close your eyes for a moment. Now imagine you're away from it all. Beside a crystal clear mountain stream, the cool grass crunches underfoot. Take a deep breath and drink in the sound of water cascading over the stones as birds call out from above. A real paradise like this isn't easy to come by, but it does still exist. And with your help, places like this one can last forever. You see, the Nature Conservancy works locally with communities, businesses, and people like you to preserve the most precious natural places around the world. They protect the animals that live there, the plants that grow there, and even the water. That way, this beautiful place will be beautiful forever. And we'll make sure that closing your eyes will never be the only way to get there. I'm Paul Newman. Help the Nature Conservancy save the last great places. Visit the Nature Conservancy at nature.org. That's nature.org. Good morning. You're listening to Get the Funk Out. I'm your host, Janine. Happy Monday, everybody. I know a lot of people have the day off. It's Inauguration Day. And if you're not watching TV, this is a great show to listen to. Very inspiring. If you're new to the show, it's all about how life is a crazy roller coaster ride. I know you know what I'm talking about. We have all these twists and turns and ups and downs. And sometimes that moment where you think this is the worst time for me, I'm never going to get out, it becomes the best thing that ever happened to you. So I hope you enjoy the show, and if you want to find out more about past shows or get more familiar with the show, I do have a blog. It's getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. All right, two very special guests on the show this morning. Uh, coming up in just a moment, Brian Golden. Uh, he is an author. He's a motivational speaker, and I've had him on the show before. He's a highly rated professor and, as I mentioned, speaker and author and national syndicated col columnist. He's listed in the Who's Who in America and he has a very popular column uh, that's read by a nationwide audience. And at 9.30, I have Jeff Breyer from the Laughing Yoga Institute. That sounds familiar. They were recent, recently featured in the OC Register. So it's my pleasure to welcome to this morning's show, Brian Golden. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Janine. How are you? Very good. Yourself? Good. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. Inauguration Day. That's right. You have the TV on? Well, you're supposed to be tuned in to me, but... <laughs> no, I'm, I'm all focused on you. Oh, that's good. That's good. Uh, I enjoyed having you on previously, uh, and I wanted to have you back because I know, you know, the New Year is a time of resolutions, and people try to make big changes, and sometimes they're not always realistic, and I know you had some great advice for kind of, you know, keeping things going, keeping the momentum going. Oh, Absolutely. Um, interesting thing about New Year's is, is when people decide to make radical changes or small changes in their life. And before we even get into how to do that, one of the interesting things is, is that people sometimes rule out making changes during the year, and they change them all, they save them all up for New Year's. <laughs> yeah. That's so true. 
But actually, you know, any day is a great day to make any changes or improvement. But if it works to get started on New Year and get you in gear on whatever it takes, that's that's a great thing to go with. It's so funny how I go to the gym in January and it's just packed. And then come maybe March, you know, people have dwindled out. It's it's hard to keep it going. It's really hard. Oh, it certainly is. And, and one of the reasons for that, I think, is that people have great goals. But what happens is... They look at the end result, which is a wonderful thing, but they look at it as being in one, taking one step. Let's re- use your example of going to the gym. Mm-hmm. Let's say someone who wants to lose 25 pounds. That's a great mm-hmm. goal, but all weight loss happens a pound at a time. Yes, that's true. And if somebody you know goes to the gym and they go for a month because they've just got that brand-new gym membership, and then after a month they've lost three pounds, mm-hmm. they say, gee, you know, my goal was 25. I've only lost three. Obviously, this isn't working. Yes. And so they stop going to the gym. And you know what happens when they start going to the gym. I know. They're not going to make any more progress. That is so true. So any suggestions for people who, you know, they want to set that goal, but they don't know how to keep it going? Yeah, here's the thing. Let's use that very example. So if somebody wants to lose 25 pounds, um, it's probably reasonable to say, well, I can probably lose a pound a week. So 25 weeks, you lose 25 pounds. That's six months. So now if they go to the gym for a month and they've only lost three pounds, say, gee, you know, my goal was four pounds, but I've lost three. So actually I'm making progress. So the thing is, is take your goal and break it down into small manageable steps. Mm-hmm. And if a pound a week isn't doable, then half a pound. Yes. And it doesn't really matter how small the step is because the time goes by anyway. Right. And if someone's losing a pound a week, in 25 weeks, they'll lose the 25 pounds. But if they're gaining a pound a week, yes. in, 20, in 25 weeks, they'll gain 25 pounds. That's right. That's right. You know, I have some advice, too, for people because, you know, going to the gym sometimes can be really boring. You get on a treadmill, or you get on one of the machines, and you're thinking, oh, this is so dull. And maybe what, what's on the TV at the gym is really boring. Well, what I do is I read. I'll bring something, the newspaper. It's, it gives me a chance to do two important things at once, work out and catch up with the world. You know, or maybe I don't want to catch up with the world. Maybe I want to read some dumb, you know, magazine, some stupid thing about what's going on in Hollywood. But the point is, you're doing two things and you're using your mind. Hopefully you're reading the newspaper. But you know what I mean? You're doing something that's that's positive in both ways. Oh, very true. And, and toward that end, let's just take the theme of exercise for a moment. Mm-hmm. If you're not doing something that you enjoy, you're not going to do it. That's right. So if you detest being on a treadmill, mm-hmm. at some point you might do it for a week and say, look, this, just, this is no fun Not at all. Not for me, right. Whereas you might enjoy going outside for a walk around the block. Yes. And you know what? Walking around the block, if you do that every day, is a lot more effective than doing the treadmill once a year. That's true. And actually, I spent two hours outside doing uh, gardening and just pulling out weeds, and I'm exhausted. <laughs> but, <laughs> exactly. But... Um, it was great. I mean, two hours went by. I was getting fresh air, and I felt more exhausted than going to the gym. I really did. It's so true, and there, there's so many ways that people can get in, you know, into physical shape or lose weight. And um, But the goals really aren't just about that. That's a great example because it's easy to quantify. Right. But the, the example, though, of pay, taking goals that are too large and not breaking them down to small steps, that is absolutely valid regardless of what someone's goal is. So let's use another example. 
somebody wants to go back to school and, and get a degree. And let's say they want to get an associate's, which is normally two years full-time. So they say, great, in January I'm going to go back to school and get my degree. And then they realize, well, I don't have time to go back to school full-time, so I can only take one or two classes a semester. Mm-hmm. Then they think, oh, man, that means it's going to be... It's going to be six years before I get my bachelor, before I get my associate's degree. So they say, well, it's just too overwhelming. But here's the thing that everyone has to remember. The six years go by anyway. And how many of us have looked back and said, you know, if I had started this 10 years ago, five years ago, look where I'd be today. So true. So I call that looking forward with hindsight. Yes. Say, look, where do I want to be six years from now? If I get started today, I can do it. So the key is, with, let's say, with furthering your, someone's education, is to say, okay, well, what's my first step? Well, my first step is to decide where do I want to go to school. Well, it's very convenient. There's a local community college in my neighborhood. So my next step now is to get a catalog of horses. So each one of these steps is very easily doable, and it's not frightening. Yes. And then when the catalog comes in, we can pick a course, or we can pick a, a particular curriculum or a major. Then all we have to do is sign up for one class or two classes. And then if we just keep doing that one step at a time, at some point, we will achieve our goals. And you know what my problem is sometimes is I have too many goals, and then you don't know where to start. You're, you've got so many thoughts, and then I'm thinking, I was just thinking last week, I just want to set you know, a list of my top five things or whatever I want to accomplish over X amount of time and go for that. Because if you have too many things, you just don't know what's important, and you, you, don't, have, you don't have any momentum to get started. That's right. So you could have enough, you could have a hundred goals. Yes. And they may be great, very ambitious, all things, all areas of your life you'd like to improve. But not accomplishing a hundred goals is far less satisfying than accomplishing one. That's so true. Yes. So the thing is, you have to start with one goal, and not get distracted, and be like a laser beam, have total focus, and not jump from one thing to another. Once you have one goal accomplished, then you can go and work on another. So keeping that focus, finding out what's most important, this is the way to get started. And another thing with goals is the goal has to be important to you. So let's say, for example, someone's hounding you to get in shape or Mm -hmm. lose weight. And it could be a close friend, a relative, you name it. And you say, okay, okay, you know, you're right, I should do it. But it just doesn't connect with you. You know what? Come January, come February, you're not going to be in the gym with a lot of other people. Sure, because that's someone else's goal, not your own. That's right. Your goal has to be your own. It has to mean something to you. You have to feel that it's worth achieving. Mm -hmm. And if those things are are in place, then we're on the road to accomplishing it. So let me ask you something. How, How do you not allow your past to pollute your future? Well... Let's take a look at it this way. How many of us have done things in the past that we wish we hadn't done or we would redo it if we had an opportunity to? Right. All of us have done that. Sure. But people don't just leave it at that. They'll actually worry about the past. They'll say, oh, man, if I hadn't done this, look where I'd be today. So they're actually taking precious time from today and worrying about the past. Now, that's truly a complete and colossal waste of time. Since we can't turn the clock back one one millionth of a second, we certainly can't change it back a week, a year, two years. The past has two different things that we, that we can get from it. Number one is we learn those things to avoid because they didn't work. Mm-hmm. And we also learn what things should be repeated because they did work. Sure. But yet how many people do just the reverse? They ignore their successes 
and they focus on doing their failures over and over again. I'm sure you know people. You know people that do that. Oh right. So why do you keep doing that? It doesn't do what you want, and you can never get a reasonable answer from them. Yes. Yes. So learn from your past. Say, okay, here's what works. Here's what doesn't. I'll repeat what works. I'll avoid what doesn't. Then you cut free from it. You don't allow it to be an anchor that pollutes your future. That's great advice. That's absolutely great advice. I had a uh, Sunny Fox on uh, several months ago. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with him. He was the host of Wonderama. And, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. And he was talking about how, you know, he had some moments in his life who's, you know, they, they weren't positive moments, but he moved past them and he used those as lessons. And I just had lunch with him uh, this past week. And he is so inspiring. I said to him, you are just go, go, go. And he's in his 80s. And he said, you know, I'm always having these things I want to do. I I. Because, you know, everybody needs a hobby, no matter what age. I think it's very important to, you know, break out of the monotony of just having work and, you know, taking care of other people. You need to have something for yourself. Very important. Oh, that's absolutely true. And he's a perfect example that you're never too old. As a matter of fact, you're never going to be as young as you are today. (laughs) So for people that say, oh, man, I'm too old, what do you mean you're too old? You're still alive. Things are still valuable in your life. You still want to enrich each day. Yes. And, and also another thing that you just mentioned, which brings up another great point, is you want to be really selective with what you remember. Mm-hmm. Looking back in your past, too many people focus on those unpleasant memories that really are discouraging. Instead, think back on all those pleasant memories you have, all those things you've, that have worked, all the wonderful experiences you've had, and use that as a stepping stone or a springboard inspiration to continue today and into the future. Very true. Very true. Uh, you know, and the other thing I wanted to also share is um, you in the second half of the show, I don't know if you noticed, I'm having Jeffrey Breyer from the Yoga Institute. He has a laughter yoga studio. And it's really important to take time to find the lighter moments in life. I, I went to a fantastic play this past weekend, Chapter 2, Neil Simon's play in Laguna. And I, I said to my husband, you know, I Definitely, I want to go out and laugh. We, we need that moment. I, I don't like to go to a movie that's so heavy and intense. I want to laugh. It's good for us to, find, to just have a good time. Not only is laughing good for us, but I think there's nothing more enjoyable. Mm. Because when you laugh, after you've laughed really hard so you can't hardly breathe and your eyes are tearing, you just feel such a release. You feel so good. Yes. And actually, there's, a, there's a, a, a biophysiological component to that because... Laughter creates endorphins in your body, which basically create, gives you a naturally good feeling. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you can find the lighter side and the humor in situations, this is a great approach and a great way to get through situ- um, stressful situations. Because yes. rather than getting bogged down and say, oh my, what am I going to do? You look at it, you just look at it from a particular angle or perspective, and you're going to, you know, this is actually kind of funny. Yes. And it just releases some of that te- stress and some of that tension. And when you can do that, it frees your mind to look for solutions that perhaps you were blocking before. Mm-hmm. No, that's so true. And as we get older, we're so serious and life takes over. And I remember being uh, in high school and having these moments with friends where you have that uncontrollable laughter where you have to keep it together and you just can't and you're just dying inside. Uh, you know, just finding moments throughout life where... You know, you need to just have some humor to lighten things up because things get so intense. I know as a, you know, as a mom and, you know, just trying to juggle it all, it's, you know, you need those, you need that little vacation 
from the day in, day out. Absolutely. Laughter is something that people should be doing every day. And you mentioned things that you, you might watch or go see that, mm-hmm. that really m- make you feel bad. Stop watching them. I know. I don't. I mean, <laughs> not, right. Yes. Exactly. But how many people, they, they watch the news oh, I, in the morning yeah. and at night. No. And it's not called Today's Good News. No, it's not. And, you know, people, after watching the news, they just feel so awful. And if you ever notice, watch what they advertise when the news is on, and it's usually antidepressants. <laughs> and there's a reason for that. I didn't realize that. You know? So even movies, news, newspapers, whatever you expose yourself to, yes. if it's making you feel bad, stop doing it. Mm. it. You know, the things, you could not watch the news or read a newspaper for six months, come back to it, nothing's changed. Mm-hmm. So why do you need to be in continual agony and getting upset and realizing that all the terrible things that are going on in the world? When you feel bad, you do yourself a disservice because you can't lead your life in the right way, you can't help others, and you certainly can't achieve the goals that you want when you feel awful. So true. By the way, if you're just tuning in, we're talking with Brian Golden, and this is Get the Funk Out. I'm your host, Janine. And, you know, um, one thing I'm just going to add to that is I do not watch the news at night because it'll affect my sleep. You know, I want something positive at night. I just want fluff. Oh, yeah. Actually, I don't watch TV news at all. Um, I'll scan the headlines online. You don't need to read the story. Mm -hmm. The headline pretty much says it all if you want to just keep up with what's happening. And you know what? I feel so much better because you get drawn into these these stories that are sometimes just so heart-wrenchingly sad and tragic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you you don't benefit from that. That's right. Or even, you know, whether it's Lance Armstrong or, you know, how many different angles do I need to see and different opinions? I don't. I really don't. You know, I have my own opinion. I... I see what the gist is of the story, and then it's enough, you know. Exactly. The essence of the story is he cheated, he lied, lots of people are disappointed. That's yes. all you need to know. Exactly, exactly. Lousy role model for kids, you know. <laughs> terrible, terrible. I mean, I know myself, until this, all, this revelation came out, I, I was so impressed with what he accomplished. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was, must be such an awesome feeling to do something that probably no one else in history will ever accomplish again. Yes. And then to see, you know, that, well, he did it by cheating mm-hmm. and lying. And not only that, but actively trying to destroy people who were saying, look, you know, he cheated. I mean, it's just such uh, an awful fall from grace. And it's just, you know, awful on every level. You know, and the other side to it is, it, I don't know him as a person, but I would think that it was probably just at some point probably eating him up inside that he created this lie and it kept perpetuating itself over time and then how do I get out and how do I really reveal the truth so you know but there's a there's a great example to be learned from that and and I think everybody can and should incorporate in their life and I know I certainly do and that is whatever you do in life make sure it's honest it's ethical Mm -hmm. it doesn't hurt other people because it's not worth it that's right. Because you don't want to have to look over your shoulder or wonder who's going to, you know, rat you out or when is the big lie going to be exposed. That's no way to live. That's so true. And you can have such a rewarding, enjoyable, fantastic journey through life by doing it the right way. Right, because you're just, it's just going to eat you up inside, you know, when it comes down to it. So let me ask you, let me switch topics here. Uh, you mentioned before you have a three-step plan that gives you the best chance of success. You want to talk about that? Sure. And it's tied in with, the, um, with what we just talked about in terms of accomplishing your goals. Step number one is to dream. 
have daydreams. And I know we grow up and we're all condemned for it. Stop daydreaming, paying attention. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, daydreaming is really good because all great accomplishments, all awesome goals start with a daydream. And take that daydream and turn it into a concrete goal. Then once you have your goal, as we were speaking about earlier, break it down into a step-by-step plan and then further divide each step into really small steps that are manageable. Mm -hmm. So you've got your goal, you've got your manageable steps, and the next thing to do is to put it into action. Because you can have the best goal, the best plan, but if you don't take that first step of action, nothing is going to happen. And the key to success in this world is simply taking one step after another and never, ever giving back. It doesn't matter if you have setbacks, if you stumble and fall, obstacles, problems. All of these can be overcome, and that's the key to goal achievement. So even going back to our weight loss example, somebody each week they go for four weeks and they lose a pound a week, and then one week they gain two, two pounds. Well, they're still two pounds ahead of, their, ahead of where they were. They're still two pounds lighter. And all that matters is they get back on the road and they say, okay, no problem. I had a big meal, went out, we had a party, gained a couple pounds, but I know I can continue to lose it. Right. You don't want to beat yourself up. You need to live life a little. You know. No, you want to not want to beat yourself up, but you never want to give up. Right. That's right. Okay. Even if you lose ground, just get back right on track. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's like my, my birthday was last weekend and uh, my husband said, do you want me to get you some chocolate? I, I love a certain brand of chocolate. I said, no, no, I don't need it, I don't need it. Well, he got it anyway, and I, of course, I like it. <laughs> but it I just, wasn't it good. It was good, you know, and it's, I just do it in moderation. And, and you know, I, um, I, I sometimes I'm too tough on myself anyway. So it's good to just live life, enjoy yourself, you know. It's, life's crazy enough as it is. You need to reward yourself with little things that make you happy. So that's true, and that's why goals are not punishment. Mm-hmm. In other words, goals are not like saying, oh, man, this is terrible. I don't want to have to go through this. You pick a goal that you want. Mm-hmm. And this way, when you achieve it, you feel good and you're happy. If achieving your goal doesn't make you happy, then you have the wrong goal. That's right. That's right. And, you know, your goal can be, oh, my gosh, my house is so cluttered. I have 30 loads of laundry on the bed, and my room is a mess constantly. You know, it's just starting somewhere, some momentum you know, will make you feel better. You have to declutter, you know, your house makes you feel better. That's right. And here's a great tip to break through that uh, logjam of procrastination that's keeping you from doing things like that. Do something for just 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. You might say, oh, man, my house is so overwhelming. All the rooms are, are, are chaos. Where am I going to start? It's too much to deal with right now. I'm going out. Mm-hmm. Instead of taking that approach, say, look, I'm going to just pick one room. I'm just spending 15 minutes. Whatever I get done, I get done. That's good. And if you do that, you feel good. Wow, I accomplished something. And I've talked to people that have used that technique, and they say, you know what? After the 15 minutes, I've realized I've gotten more done in that 15 minutes than I might have in the last year, and then I just keep going until I get it finished. Yes. And it actually only took me a half hour. And I've been putting it off for a year, and it was only a half hour's worth of work. I know. It's so funny. I mean, it could be the simplest thing that you just put off and put off, and it doesn't even take much time. Exactly, and it's just because we dread getting started and we dread having to do so much. But 15 minutes is manageable. If that's too much, make it 10 minutes, make it 5 minutes. But it's just getting started. 
They get you going. That's right. And it breaks that, that procrastination jam. And I'm guilty of not kind of delegating in my household. I'll just say, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. I'll get it done. And But it's so important to delegate, to say, you know, I can't do all this. Here, you know, you can fold some laundry. You can help do this. And people want to help. Exactly right. And especially when you have kids. Mm-hmm. The kids get really talented at training the parents because how often does a kid leave their room messy 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 the mother or father gets so disgusted with it they go in and clean it right they've just lost because <laughs> now the kid has just trained the parent to clean their room yeah <laughs> i know <laughs> no my kids are good now they, but when they're younger you know it is a mess and you can't take it and you go in there and you clean it up and, and you know and, and you're not teaching them anything That's you don't teach them a thing except the fact is they're able to manipulate you right so tell, tell me, I wanted to mention your book. Tell me about your book. My book is Dare to Live Without Limits, mm-hmm. and it's an easy-to-read book. It has many different chapters. They're all written for people that are busy. They can be read in five or ten minutes. I talk about great topics such as changing your life by changing your thinking, setting and achieving goals, getting through tough times, never stop learning, controlling your emotions, becoming self-reliant, being happy and having fun, and dealing with conflict. So again, the book is titled Dare to Live Without Limits. Mm-hmm. I also have a website that your listeners can visit. It's called daretolivewithoutlimits.com. They can read some of my columns, get information about my book, which can be ordered from any bookstore or any online retailer. I also post a weekly motivational minute online as well. And again, the website is daretolivewithoutlimits.com, and the book is Dare to Live Without Limits. And any last bit of advice for having a great 2013? Sure. Um, I think people need to say, what would I like my life to be? Picture the perfect life. Visualize it. Play it over and over in your mind. Because whatever it is that you can visualize, you can achieve it. And the thing to do is to believe that you can accomplish it. Use a three-step plan for accomplishing goals. Have a goal, develop a plan, and then take action. Those are the three steps. And then make today, and I know it's an off-use cliche, but make it the next day of the rest of your life. Because if we don't do it today, when are we going to do it? And way too many people put things off for too long. And as we all know, the time goes by too fast, and each year goes by faster than the day before. So start today to make your life the pattern, the way, make it have the goals that you want, and there's no reason why you can't make all of your dreams come true. And I just want to share one thing, Brian, that I do is I make lists. I'll write it down, and I'll, I might make, put the list in one, like let's say the kitchen, and then I put it on my desk because I want to remind myself, you know, hello, you got to do this. And the other thing is tell somebody, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a class in screenwriting, and then they kind of call you on it. <laughs> How's that class going? Oh, I haven't started it yet. Well, what are you waiting for? You know, you, you kind of have to announce your, your plans. That's, that's a great idea, yeah. You want your goals to be written? Write them down, collect pictures, mm-hmm. post them where you can see them, advertise what you're going to do. And then this way, you like you say, you put pressure on yourself to go ahead and make sure you do them. And if you don't, people will say, hey, have you done that yet? That's right. That's right. Brian, thank you so much for calling into the show. Janine, thank you. It's a pleasure being on with you. I hope we can chat again at some point. That sounds great. Have a wonderful start to your 2013. Thank you. You too. Take care. That was Brian Golden, and uh, you can visit his website, which is uh, briangolden.com. It's spelled with a Y. And up next, I have uh, Jeffrey calling in, Jeffrey Breyer from the Laughing Yoga Institute. 
in just a few minutes. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. You are listening to Get the Funk Out. I'm your host, Janine. And if you've missed any part of the show, it'll be up on my blog a little later on, which is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. Opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the management of KUCI or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about this show, go to KUCI.org. Are you sick of idiots on the road? Well, so are we, which is why we'd like to give you all a few tips for driving in California. First, if you're slowing down to take a right turn, please, we beg you, move into the bike lane if there's no one there, of course. This is so that the cars behind you don't have to slow down. Second, if you're on the freeway, try and stay out of the right lane when people are merging. This streamlines the merging process and helps everyone to get to their destination faster. Finally, please don't get into the far left lane and then drive slowly. Don't be that person. Nobody likes that person. Thank you. on top of the minivan. We're only going for two weeks. You want me to pack the kitchen sink, too? Well, is there room? Hey, you guys, you going on vacation? Who's that? I don't know. Because we're planning on robbing your house tonight. All right, I'm calling an alarm service. Wouldn't it be great if you could be warned of life's risks? If you have diabetes, you can. There's a simple blood test called A1C that can help measure your risk of complications from diabetes. Why is it important? Because more than 600 people every day die from diabetes and its complications. If your A1C is above 7, your doctor can show you how to lower it. If you have diabetes, know your risk. Know your A1C. Ask your doctor. Or for more information, go to www.diabetesa1c.org or call 1-877-TEST-A1C. Brought to you by the American Diabetes Association, Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation International, and the Ad Council. Hi there. You are listening to Get the Funk Out. Hope you're having a great Monday, everybody. You're tuned to KUCI 88.9 FM. I'm your host, Janine, and right now we're going to be chatting with Jeffrey Breyer. Hello, everybody. How are you? (laughs) I'm great. I just came back from a laughter session on the beach here in Laguna Beach. Have my RDA of laughter and feeling really good. That's a great way to start the morning. Absolutely. Tell me about that laughter session on the beach. Okay, well, we practice what's sometimes called laughter yoga or laughter for no reason, where you get together with a bunch of other like-minded folks who want to improve their health through laughing. And we don't tell jokes or do comedy because jokes and comedy are not reliable stimulus to result in laughing. Because mm-hmm. if you've heard a joke before or, you know, you don't find particular things, some things people don't find funny, like some kind of jokes you might not like, they're offensive or whatever. But what we do is we just do little exercises, like you pretend you're um, pouring a glass of water and drinking it down or stretching a measure of fabric. And at the conclusion of the little stretch or uh, mime exercise, you laugh. Mm -hmm. And while you're laughing, so you're laughing deliberately, intentionally, uh, and it may start as pretend or fake laughter, but you make eye contact with the other people and you interact and play with them. So, for example, if we were pretending we were drinking a glass of water and laughing, I might offer my glass of water to someone else, or they might pretend that they spill it on my foot. And then whatever (laughs) happens, we just laugh and laugh and laugh. And so you do a laughter exercise that lasts for perhaps 20 to 40 seconds, and then the person who is uh, leading the session will uh, call everyone back and say, okay, let's do another laughter exercise. And the goal ultimately 
which is easily achieved, is to laugh for about 15 minutes, because it's been shown by research done since the 1970s that that's about how long it takes to really change your body's physiology so you get the health benefits of laughter. And we also forget how to feel comfortable and play like kids. So this is yeah. nice. I mean, you just kind of let your guard down. You play with total strangers. You act goofy. Yeah. You know. Since everyone else is doing it, it's... Why not? It's comfortable. Why not? You're all in this together. Today we actually had a, uh, a five-year-old child. Oh. Um, yesterday we had a 14-year-old. Uh, most of the people at our laughter club are in their 30s to 60s. But uh, the other day we had a, a five-year-old and an 84-year-old in the same session. Oh, I love it. What time do you, does the class start? Well, we, uh, here in Laguna Beach, not too far from Irvine, mm -hmm. we are blessed to have a laughter club which meets seven days a week, every single day. Nice. And we meet at 8 o'clock in the morning every day with the exception of Saturday. Saturday, Saturday we meet at 10 o'clock a.m. The work originated in India in 1995, and in India there are hundreds and hundreds of laughter clubs which meet seven days a week. And many people, every single day, they, they go. We've had a tremendous reports from India of people who were uh, suffering from depression, often under medication, who found that by going to the laughter club frequently, uh, not only because of the laughing, but because of the social connections that they make with their fellow laughers, they uh, actually re recovered from their depression, and with their doctors okay, they no longer needed to take their medication, and, and they're all going strong. As long as they keep laughing and yes. having this support group of people that laugh and play with them, they don't seem to have regression. They don't need to go back to taking medication. Great way to get out of a funk. Yeah, be with friends. Tell me something. I read about you and recently in the OC Register. Yeah. Tell us about your training and what drew you, drew you to this career and spreading laughter. Okay, well, thank you. Um, I, I used to have two careers that didn't seem to go together very well. One was I was a yoga teacher. When I was 18, I began teaching yoga, and I was actually on the staff of the University of California, Santa Cruz campus, uh, when I was still a, a junior. Mm -hmm. so I was a junior in college, but I was teaching classes to my you know, fellow students and faculty in the Office of Physical Education. And I loved doing traditional yoga. It was great for my, for my breathing and for my stretching and flexibility, but it didn't do much for my social life because in most mm -hmm. yoga classes, you're in your own space. Yes. Uh, you don't go lean over and ask for help from the other students. Maybe once in a blue moon, you're lucky the teacher comes by and and says, you've got your legs backwards. <laughs> um, but most of the time you're in your own space, so it's kind of lonely to be in a yoga class, most yoga classes. At the same time, I had this uh, separate career where I was a comedian on stage. I was Primarily I worked with two other guys in a comedy team at the Renaissance Pleasure Fairs, but we mm -hmm. also did some nightclub stuff. And we were kind of like the Marx Brothers of the Renaissance. There's a famous comedy team from yes. the 20s and 30s, the Marx Brothers. So we did wacky, crazy, knockabout humor, bad jokes, juggling, other circus skills, and we tried to make people laugh at our humorous antics. <laughs> and usually we How'd were successful. <laughs> people okay. did laugh at us, but sometimes we failed. People who'd seen our stuff before didn't laugh. Uh -huh. So I had these two different careers, the, the mellow but uh, isolated yoga teacher and the outgoing but sometimes not so happy because people weren't laughing comedian. And then in uh, the... Around 2003, I heard about this laughter yoga thing where people laugh uh, and, and it would have the yoga word attached to it. So I ended up doing the research, found some videos, and I went to Switzerland 
in 2005 and studied with the founder of this work, a medical doctor from India named Madan Kataria, who came up with this system in collaboration with his wife, a yoga teacher, Madhuri Kataria. So they were both there, and I studied with them in Switzerland in 2005 and came back and started this laughter club in Laguna Beach. So we've now had this laughter club going for, it's going on eight years. Seems like a perfect fit for all the different interests you had. Well, it was for me, it was one of those things where when I experienced it, I said, this is so right for me. I found my calling. Mm-hmm. And other people are drawn to the work for different reasons. Uh, one of my colleagues at that same training, he lives in Israel, and he was really interested in using this work for peace-building purposes. And now he runs laughter sessions in uh, Tel Aviv and Jerusalem where Israelis and Palestinians and Iranians all gather together and they do laughter exercises together, and, that and it is actually great. develops their sense of friendship and cooperation. So That's instead fantastic. of becoming enemies, anonymous enemies, they become fellow human beings and interested in communicating with each other. Uh, you know, hearing that, more people should do that. Well, believe it or not, this laughter is actually part of a worldwide movement for world peace through people laughing together. And it sounds like an outrageous claim, but when you do the practice with total strangers, mm-hmm. and then you realize in five minutes, you genuinely feel like these strangers are your friends. Yes. Because they've opened their eyes and they've opened their hearts to laugh with you, and that just develops a sense of trust and caring so that uh, re- you really do feel like your people are your friends. You're not just pretending. It's like, wow, I, I can trust this person. And yes. that's one of the messages of laughter, that it's safe to be a little bit vulnerable yes. with the person with whom you're laughing. No, it's so important. You know, I'm, I've, I haven't taken yoga in a while, which is unfortunate. I really do enjoy it. But when I, when I have taken it, I do get very emotional. It brings out a lot of things from my past, and I just think a lot about all these different people or things or events. And the thought of switching that around, not being so emotional, but laughing is such well, yeah, a positive choosing thing. which emotion you're going to focus on. Right, that's <laughs> Basically, right. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Occasionally, even in laughter yoga, occasionally someone will say they got in touch with some sadness or some, some uh, uh, un- un- uncomfortable feeling. And very simply put, when we laugh, we shake up our diaphragm a lot, the muscle that's in our abdomen that separates the rib cage where it's tough from the abdomen where it's vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And usually people, when at a very early age, they learn to freeze up that muscle to avoid feeling uncomfortable feelings. I see. Right? So usually, when, mm-hmm. like if you notice you get scared, you, you hold your breath. Yes. And that, t- that pattern gets kind of shaken up when we laugh because the diaphragm muscle gets stimulated quite a bit. And so frequently, emotions will be stirred up thanks to that. And what we do is we just say, okay, so feeling scared right now. Laugh anyway. <laughs> I was scared. <laughs> I can't believe how scared I felt. Yes. And then what happens is that that emotion just passes. If you allow it to have its existence, it will just pass. And even though you can't, can't figure out why, why did I feel that way all of a sudden? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because when you were three days old, uh, someone dropped a glass near your crib and there was a loud noise. Okay, But you, you, may nev- you, may nev- you may never be able to articulate the source of such a feeling. But if you just have the feeling, let yourself have the emotion, and then follow it with some laughter, then you know you'll have a fuller expression of your emotions, and you'll end up with a very pleasant emotion. Were you surprised how well laughter works with the practice of yoga, or does it just seem like a perfect thing? Well, it's, uh, it's, it's a little different than traditional yoga. It's kind of like they're, they're cousins with a similar purpose, 
but the, they, they each have different special charms. So mm-hmm. it's, for some people, they'd say it's a misnomer to call it laughter yoga, because it's not that you do traditional yoga poses, asanas, and laugh while you're doing them. It's more like laughter exercises, some of which include traditional po- laughter uh, yoga poses, and also some of the laughter exercises are based on yoga breathing techniques. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like laughter yoga is kind of like yoga plus with a lot of laughter, whereas traditional yoga has its own virtues and benefits, and it's kind of on, you know, they, they, if I could make, if I do circles, they'd each share about half of each other's uh, content, but then they also, both laughter yoga and traditional yoga have their own separate um, virtues. What do you think some of the benefits are that if we laugh each day? Oh my gosh, well... These have finally been proven because there was, in the, in the 70s, a, a journalist named Norman Cousins published a book called Anatomy of an Illness as Perceived by the Patient, where he recounted his own recovery from a supposedly terminal disease through laughing a lot, watching movies, and laughing frequently. So some of the benefits that he reported and that have since been validated by other studies include relief of pain, you feel less pain if you're mm-hmm. laughing, and if you laugh regularly, you'll have greater resistance to pain. You just won't feel so much pain. Um, and relief of stress. All those many negative things that stress does, eroding your immune system, laughter reverses the negative effects of stress. Laughter strengthens the immune system. Those of us who laugh regularly, like there's a, a large handful of folks who come to our laughter club at least three or four times a week, most of us no longer get colds, flu, cough. Um, headache, migraine headaches, things like that. We just we don't get them anymore because I would suggest it's because our immune systems have become stronger. Yes. And also yes. our breathing is better because when you laugh, you breathe out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then after you breathe out, you breathe in. So when you breathe in, you get more oxygen into your bloodstream and into your brain. Plus, uh, laughter in one research project showed that when you laugh, your blood vessels dilate. They open wider, which means it's easier for your heart to pump your blood, that means it's good for your blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Plus, if you got more oxygen and it's being distributed better because of better flow of blood, that means you'll feel more energetic, including feel you know, your thinking will be sharper if you've got better, better chemistry in your brain. I'm smiling because the last laugh you did <laughs> made me think of, uh, I have two girls, and uh, I don't know if you have kids, but what? I'm constantly, you know, being silly and... You know, a lot of, but a lot of times it's very serious. There's a lot of homework, there's stress, whatever. But there's just sometimes finding that moment where you get that incredible um, opportunity to laugh so hard that you're going to cry. I mean, <laughs> my poor daughter has a, a lot of work this week and a big test, and we were home last night. I was helping her, and she went to sit on my lap, and part of the chair broke. Ah. And it was, and she thought I was going to be angry, and it was so funny. It was so fun, and she's like, "I can't believe you're not angry." I'm like, "You know what? Wood glue—that's why they make it." Right. And it was. What good would it do to be angry? None. You know? And I, I will never forget her sitting in my lap, saying, "You know what? I need to, I need to look at the computer. Excuse me, I need a good seat in the house." And she sat in my lap, and uh-huh. and the chair, you know, what? big deal. And um, it's those kind of things. I and I had. I want to share one other thing. I have um. A incredible relationship with my grandmother. She's no longer alive, but I used to go visit her. And my parents were divorced, and I wasn't always so happy. But when I would see her, she would make me laugh so hard, I would we would be crying, and my stomach would be killing me. And it's finding those opportunities just to let loose and connect with 
anybody who does that with you, whether it's a girlfriend, we all need that. Yes. We need that. So, I, you know, obviously I, I share this work a lot. I, I travel around the country and other parts of the world sharing the benefits of therapeutic laughter. And people frequently talk about how often it was in their youth. They had a friend, sometimes a sister or a girlfriend or a guy friend, who they would get together and they would just start giggling and laughing. And they had no reason. Yes. It was just something about being with this other person that gave them permission to just laugh up a storm. I love it. Like you said, till her belly hurt, till they yes. fell on the floor, the tears were falling out of their eyes. And everyone remembers this with great joy. Yes. So what we find now, we, you can do that now intentionally. You just need to have a supportive environment. And the supportive environment is the laughter club or yes. the laughter yoga class or session by whatever name. Because in that context, you are invited to fall down laughing, tear your hair out laughing, let the tears pour out of your eyes laughing, and you're surrounded by other people who are hopefully doing the same thing. And once people just get over their inhibitions mm-hmm. and go, I, can, I, can I really have a great time in this session? Can I really have the best laugh of my life for no reason? Yes. The answer is yes, just start. It's and even if it starts pretend or fake, when you're doing it with other people and you see them, it very quickly becomes real. And so you can have great, great laughs at every session. You kind of remind me of some of the classes I've taken where it's improv. And, you know, and improv is a great thing, especially for adults, because we forget how to be creative and silly and goofy without being so self-conscious. So I love what you're telling me. Now, you offer classes in Irvine. When Mm -hmm. when do those happen and where? Well, on Wednesday mornings at 9.30, I offer a class at the Rancho Senior Center, which is off uh, Culver and Michelson, mm-hmm. actually on Ethel Copland Way off of Culver. Um, that class uh, is offered through Irvine Valley College. There's a small fee, and everyone is welcome, even though it's offered at a senior center. People can come of all ages. And uh, sometimes what happens is seniors, most of the members are seniors, but they bring their children, their grandchildren. And so one day we may have a group of 40 uh, well, not 40 people, but people in their 40s through 80s. Another day, we'll have some 7, 8, 12-year-olds joining that group. That's so right. um, you're welcome to come to that. That's in great. Costa Mesa, I'll be starting a class on Tuesdays. That's at the Costa Mesa Senior Center, Tuesdays at 1.30 p.m. That's free. I'll, it's designed for people over 50, but I, if you're under 50, I can sneak you in. Just <laughs> give me a call. Okay. Um, that's it in Irvine at the present, but in Laguna Beach, we laugh every single day. So pretty much anyone can learn these laughter exercises. Yeah, it's, it's really, uh, there's a little trick to it, and then there's the finesse of how to uh, manage the people in your class and evaluate their energy and learning a, a storehouse of laughter exercises so you're ready at a moment's notice to lead a session. And uh, the basic training in laughter yoga is a two-day program. It's called You Become a Certified Laughter Yoga Leader. You get a little diploma. Nice. You're registered with the international headquarters in India, uh, and I give such a training usually every three months, and my next training will be in Irvine. I usually give them on the campus of Irvine Valley College, where I'm on the faculty there. Uh, so that's, just get in touch with me. Can okay. I say my yes. contact information? Yes, my phone number is 949-376-1939. That's 376-1939. And my easiest-to-remember website address is joyfulb.com. That's J-O-Y-F-U-L-B dot C-O-M. 
and give me a call or get in touch, and I can tell you about the many opportunities to laugh or be trained in laughter leadership. And I tell you, it is so rewarding because, like I said, I used to be a comedian, mm-hmm. uh, more like a sketch co- comedian. Uh, and when people laughed, it was great, but sometimes they didn't laugh, and that was what we call dying on stage. Yes. <laughs> but now, uh, every session, people have the best laughs of their life. Every time I lead a session, I have the gratification and the joy of seeing people having wonderful laughs. But it's not because of my material or my timing or anything like that. I don't have to worry about any of that stuff. I just have to be moderately effective in teaching people how they can laugh with the other people, and then they laugh up a storm. So it's, it's really very easy. Let me ask you a quick question. Why yeah. are the laughter clubs all over the world offered for free? Why are they offered for free? Well, yeah. the vision of the doctor who created this work mm-hmm. is that laughter truly would be available for every human being on Earth. So everyone can be free of stress, and everyone can be friends with everyone else. That's nice. Right? And Great concept. As soon as you charge for anything, some people won't come. Mm-hmm. Some people live on fixed incomes, or they evaluate, why should I pay $10 for that class, or why should I pay $100 for that class? And so some people just won't come. So fundamentally, we like to have laughter clubs all over the world that are free. So everyone in the world can come, laugh, and become friends I with everyone great. else. That's great. Now, you mentioned you had studied with an Indian physician. Is it yes. Madan Kataria? Yes, Madan Kataria. What was that lovely like? lovely wife, Madhuri. Oh, what was that like, studying with him? Well, it's great. He, has, uh, you know, he speaks English pretty well, but he has an accent from India. Mm-hmm. And uh, the training was just phenomenal. It was in Switzerland. There were only three Americans, mm. so it was a wonderfully humbling experience. To be with, to be the minority. Mm-hmm. Most of the people were Europeans, but there are also people from many other parts of the world. And one of the very interesting demonstrations of the effectiveness of this work was that there were seven people from Israel and five people from Muslim countries. I love it. Right. And so initially we thought, oh boy, there's going to be some uh, some fireworks here because back home they were at war with each other. Of you know, course. In 2005. But by the second day, everyone was just friends taking pictures together, and they didn't look like Israelis and Muslims oh, and Americans. Nice. It was just people, people in jeans and T-shirts and dress shirts and ties and no ties, but everyone laughing together and be, being like like old friends, that even though incredible. they only known each other basically a couple of days. Mm-hmm. No hatred at all. I love it. No, it's like disappears. I love it. So it was wonderful studying not only with the doctor, who is the source of the work, but also with uh, other people who are had different levels of experience with this work because the, the training I took was a relatively advanced training, so everyone there had already had preliminary experience. So it was great networking with colleagues from all over the planet and yet sharing at a very fundamental level this, this basic insight, this education, this consciousness awakening of being able to laugh at will and sharing that with others. It's just it's great. Please come on down and join us. I think it's great. Are there some unusual places where laughter uh, yoga has been used? Wow, yeah. Well, prisons is one place. Mm-hmm. You can imagine uh, what, if a person's stuck in prison, yeah. they might think, wow, this is bad. Right. I really don't have any reason to laugh. Sure. And when life is that bad is a really good time to laugh without reason, which is what we That's do. We, we laugh for the purpose mm-hmm. of improving our health, but we don't need the reason of jokes or feeling good first, because if you're not feeling good, as soon as it's safe, it's a good time to laugh, get rid of your tension, get rid of your stress, enjoy being alive again. Yes, yes. Another extraordinary place where this work is being shared is in the, the homes where people often get sent to 
when they get older, when they become disabled by stroke or something, you know, sometimes just a debilitating accident. Because often when people are sent to such uh, care homes, um, they have just lost their job, just lost their family, just lost their home, and now they're stuck in a building with a lot of other sick people, mm. right? Yes. And fortunately, if they start laughing with these other people who happen to have you know, physical conditions where we call them sick, if they start laughing with them very quickly, these people become their friends. So now, <laughs> instead true. of being in some horrible institution where it's a misery, they're in this playground that doesn't, you know, may not look so fun, but and some of them do get dressed up, so they do, so they do get fun. But mm-hmm. if, in any case, it doesn't matter about the outside circumstances, because inside people have friends and sources of laughter, ultimately themselves, but also their friendships with their others. And so uh, life becomes enjoyable to live again. I think it's great. Any advice for people that want to do what you're doing? Yes, get in touch with me or anyone else uh, in the world who teaches laughter yoga. Go to laughter clubs, feel that it's right for you, and then uh, do the education. Start more laughter clubs. We'd like to have a million laughter clubs all over the planet. Right now, there may be 10 or 15,000, mm-hmm. but uh, they're really easy to do. I mean, you just have to declare. You might say, well, I'm just going to once a week have people over to my living room and have a laughter session and then see where that goes and where that grows to. So get in touch with me at joyfulbee.com if you uh, want to get trained. Or just check, um, there's a laughteryoga.org is the international headquarters, and they keep listings of laughter teachers and laughter clubs all over the planet. So if you go to laughteryoga.org and then look on the button for find clubs or find leaders and teachers, then you put in your country, your state, cities near you, and then find some place to go. So what you'll find is when you... Uh, if you enjoy this work, and it's hard to imagine anyone wouldn't because you're just going to laugh up a storm, <laughs> uh, you'll find you have a new social support group, new friends, especially if the clubs meet often. I think it's great. And, that's, uh, and they're friends who care about you unconditionally because you're just a laughter person. It's not about your politics or your religion or your beliefs. This is beyond beliefs. It's every human belief, yes. every human wants to have freedom of stress and wants other people to be free of stress. So that's well, a fundamental. That's enough for us all to share and become friends. Well, Jeffrey, thank you so much for calling to the show again. Your website you know is joyfulbee.com. Yes, thanks, right. Janine. It was have, a pleasure. Have a wonderful 2013. Thanks. Okay. You too. Thanks. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to Get the Funk Out. This entire show will be up on my blog, which is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. And up next, Sheldon Abbott with Cure for the Blues. Have a fantastic Monday, everybody. And I'm going to play... A track from United by Music off the CD, That Ain't It. And uh, this is called Chains. And uh, if you have any questions, want to be a guest on the show, just send an email to Janine, J-A-N-E-A-N-E, at K-U-C-I dot org.